like Jalen Brunson's a fine player. But a Wilds pal, Bill Simmons, put it perfectly when he called it the saddest sweepstakes ever. The Jalen Brunson sweepstakes. Is Jalen Brunson <laughs> one of the All right. Welcome to another edition of One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. Today we will discuss the Celtics, the NCAA tournament, who I see upsetting, and believe me, I know I will be wrong on some of these because there's always going to be a team that pulls a George Mason type upset um, and ends up in like a Final Four type situation. There's always going to be that team. Uh, but I won't tell you who I have winning it because I haven't made my decision yet on who I'm taking. I'm also going to discuss some comments I saw about Nick Wrong. Um that's why I put that in the beginning of the show, talking about Jalen Brunson. Uh, but first and foremost, let's talk about the most disgusting display of basketball I I watched last night. Um, watching the Celtics last night, it was just bad. It was something that I didn't even like watching. And I love watching basketball, but it, it was bad. Yes, teams have nights where they are off. They don't shoot well. But if you are a championship team, you can't lose to a 15-win team. You just can't. And I realize it's getting to be that time where you just want to get to the postseason and you want to make up for lost opportunities last year. But we are slowly losing games that we should win, and it's becoming a habit. A habit that if we sustain, we won't have home court advantage. And if we learned anything from last year, and if we see what it's like to not have home court advantage, because I remember, you know, the the Bucks had an opportunity to have home court advantage, and I think they subbed out Drew Holiday, um, and they ended up losing that game. But we see how important having a Game 7 is at home. For those who look at the numbers, yeah, the majority of the Game 7s are won by the home team. Now, is that me saying it's impossible? No, absolutely not. I mean, the Celtics did it in the 1969 in the NBA Finals. The Knicks did it to the Celtics in 1973. The Celtics did it to the Bucks in 1974. Uh, in Game 7, where Dave Cowens went for like 28-14, and 14, I think, on, on Kareem. Uh, skip ahead to the more recent ones. Like I, I skipped the 80s, but skip ahead to 95, the Rockets in Phoenix, uh, the Pacers in New York, um, LeBron in Golden State in 2016, and uh, just last year, actually, Dallas in Phoenix and Boston in Miami. Boston did it in Miami. They won a game seven in Miami. But here's the thing. We won't be playing a team that doesn't have the best player on the floor. It's arguable between a Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. But it's not arguable to me, in my opinion, between a Jason Tatum and a Giannis onto Tacumpo, especially on a home floor setting. Giannis would be the best player on the floor. And having the best player on the floor, especially when you're at home, that's always an X factor, okay? Because not only that, but role players play a different type of game. They play much better when they're at home. That's why they're usually the role players. The stars can play the best on the road. 
but usually the role players don't end up having the best games on the road. So that's why having the home court advantage with your role players being able to be comfortable and then you have your star player hopefully doing what he normally does best, that will help. Now, if it's on the road in a Game 7, it's very tough. Very tough. Now, I'd rather us start to practice some better habits and win games that we should be winning going into the playoffs. Now, if we don't do that, then we're going to get caught into these bad habits. We're not a team that has won a championship that can just turn it on and off. We have a lot of the same core, but at the same time, we still haven't won anything. So for us to think, the the Celtics, I mean, to think that they can just go in and, you know, kind of just turn it on and off when they please, they waited till the fourth quarter to even pick it up a little bit defensively and start attacking the basket more versus the Houston Rockets. That's the Houston Rockets, a 15-win team. We made it seem like the Houston Rockets were the 1995 Houston Rockets where Vernon Maxwell was on the court and Sam Cassell and Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon and Robert Ory. That wasn't that wasn't that team by any stretch, but we made them look like that. Every single time we went on a run, they came and they answered. There was a play that I watched yesterday where someone just went right down the middle and scored in the paint. Now, I know people are going to say, well, you know, we don't have Rob Williams. But at the same time, one of my friends said this to me. One of my colleagues called him part-time Lord because he's never really playing. Now, that's not a knock on him. Like, I'm not disrespecting him. He's a good player. But at the same time, we can't keep using the, oh, well, we don't have Rob Williams excuse. We haven't had him for a lot of games. We haven't had him for a lot of playoff series. You just got to find a way to do it. No more making excuses. I know that's what everybody likes to do. Well, I I hear it all the time in AAU. Oh, we lost by 20 because we didn't have our best guys. Stop making that excuse and just go out there and play. I hear people saying it. Not the players making the excuse, but at the same time, I hear fans saying it all the time. Well, we didn't have Rob Williams. Stop stop using that as an excuse. It's not an excuse. Next man up mentality. I think they said that in the Lakers documentary. Julius Irvin said, I don't want to hear about Bob McAdoo being injured. I don't want to hear about James Worthy being injured because, you know, at the same time, he could have used that for Doug Collins. Doug Collins was an all-star and he missed the whole 1980 finals. So next man up, that's what happens. I mean, Magic did it. Kareem was out. Magic stepped up, played all five positions. Next man up mentality. Now, also, I have some criticism for Missoula. Now, obviously, it's his first year. But my criticism is, yes, Tatum is the guy. But the one constant that I see, even when we play teams that are not up to par, is Jalen Brown. JB is always the one who comes out ready to go, ready to play, even when we play a bad team. In my opinion, he should have gotten the shot. And... As a coach, from a coaching standpoint, you look, we didn't have any more timeouts left, obviously, so we couldn't change the play. But with the best, this is where things need to be altered, right? Your professional basketball players, you got to see certain situations. With Houston's best defender, 
and rim protector, almost 80 feet away from the basket, defending Tatum. You could have easily used Tatum as a decoy and then had Jalen Brown go to work on his defender. There's no rim protection. No rim protection whatsoever. And Jalen was cooking. He was, sh- he was shooting almost 70% for the game. And then the second half was shooting close to like 65% or something like that. But, you know, obviously I'm not the coach. That's just my opinion. That's just from what I saw and what I watched. Now on to the NCAA tournament. As I said, I'm not going to say who I think will win, but I have Providence upsetting Kentucky. Although Providence hasn't been playing well over these last few games, these last few weeks, I haven't really trusted Kentucky come March over these years. Uh, maybe it's me being a Kentucky like hater. Uh, I'm not really a big Kentucky fan. I don't really hate Kentucky. I just sometimes I just don't like the style of play that they do. Um, but that's neither here nor there. They're, they always have a good team. They always have a team that's going to p- compete, but sometimes with the youth and inexperience at times, I usually don't trust them come March. Uh, this time they're, they're not as youthful, but I still don't trust them, uh, come March. I still don't trust them in this game. Maybe they'll surprise me. I could be wrong. Okay, and it won't be the first time that I was wrong, and it it certainly won't be the last time that I was wrong, but I have Providence upsetting Kentucky. Uh, I also think Marquette is a sleeper, and if UCLA can get healthy, now I know Clark is going to be gone. For those of you who don't pay attention, Jalen Clark, he's tough. He's he's a solid, solid player, and I think this is where Amari Bailey needs to step up. and I think if they're healthy and they get their center back, their defensive player, their rim protector, uh, that they lost to a shoulder injury before the before the the championship where they lost to Arizona, I think they will be a very tough out. Um, I also think Alabama is very good. I think they might be the most complete team on. As I said before, with Milwaukee having the best player on the floor, that's always an X factor. Miller is the X factor. Uh, I'm not going to go into whether or not I think he should be playing, but I will say he is playing, and that makes Alabama a favorite to win the title. Will they? That's to be seen, but that is an upset. That, that oh, I'm sorry. That's to be seen, but that is. It. They're going to be tough. I mean, plain and simple, they're going to be tough. Um, but in regards to the Providence, that's the upset that I think might happen. The other upset that I think, uh, I have Iona. Um, now, it could be a stretch, but that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Iona beating UConn uh, in a tough matchup. Rick Pitino over there the whew, in, in New York, I believe he's going to be. That's going to be a tough atmosphere. Uh, he was around those parts for a while when he was coaching in the NBA. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what they're able to do. Iona's they have a tough-minded coach. Uh, they've they have a good record. They've been playing well this year. UConn is tough. They're always tough. Um, but we'll see what happens. Now, last but not least, this is a this is a shorter uh, one in a million. But last but not least, one of the things that I wanted to bring up was what I had recorded in the beginning of the episode. Nick Wrong. 
Now, this dude put up his first, second, and third teams of what he's seen so far this year. Now, unless something is visible, like visible, right, where he says, oh, this person or this team is not going to win. This team is not going to win. Unless he does that, unless something like that happens, he, this guy never admits that he's wrong. He doesn't admit that he's wrong. He's often wrong and plenty of instances like he talked about Brady he talked about um uh the Golden State Warriors saying that oh they'll never win a championship again in terms of players right this dude won't admit that he's wrong about a player okay now he put up his first second and third teams of who he should be of who he thinks should be all NBA now he has LeBron on there Right now, this is not to knock LeBron. LeBron, I, I think LeBron should be every single great. I think probably should be on the All NBA teams every year that they're playing. Right, that they're at least doing something good because they're always an X factor. You know, now once they get to the waning, the end of their careers, and they can't really produce as much. Obviously not, but I think they always deserve it if they're playing well. They always deserve to be on an All NBA team because you know what they're capable of. But at the same time, LeBron has missed 20, 20 plus games, and this is the same thing that he criticized Kawhi for three years ago or two years ago, not wanting to put him on a, a, maybe a defensive team. I can't remember what it was, but he criticized Kawhi. Kawhi only played 60 games, this and that and that. Well, they've played almost 70 games, right? The Lakers and LBJ has only played 47 games. He's missed 20 plus games, right? So, now, I know it's for injury, but at the same time, if you're going to hold a standard of, oh, well, the games that he played is a reason why I'm not going to put somebody on, then you got to hold that same standard to the games that somebody played, even though they're injured, should be a reason why they shouldn't be on there, right? Now, and then you leave off Jalen Brunson. After you said that this was the saddest sweepstakes to get Jalen Brunson. The saddest sweepstakes ever, as you, you called it in the beginning, right? Now, I believe Jalen Brunson belongs on one of these all-NBA teams. He's averaging 24 points and six assists a game and has the Knicks playing great. A lot of people thought the Knicks were dead in the water last year after the way that they played and all the debacles that was going on with Julius Randle and flipping off the fans or whatever he was doing. I forget if he was flipping off the fans and he was mad at the fans and they were going back and forth and some people were thinking that the, the Knicks weren't going to ever improve. And then here comes Jalen Brunson, just one player. Here comes Jalen Brunson and he started to turn that team around, starting to have them playing better, beating solid teams, right? And, and he has the Knicks playing some great basketball. And his best games, let's talk about his best games. His best games came versus some of the best teams and defenders. This man had 44 on Drew Holiday, right? Now, obviously, all 44 weren't on Drew Holiday, but he was, Drew was pressuring him full court, and, and Brunson was giving him the business a little bit. And when they played the Clippers... The Clippers tried everything on him. 
They tried double teaming him. They put man on him. They switched Kawhi and Paul George on him a couple times and nothing worked. Nothing worked. He had one play where he crossed the hell out of Kawhi, went right to the rack and scored on an and one. Then he dribbled and crossed over from left to uh, left to right back to his uh, left and then came through the middle. They double teamed Paul George and I think it was Zubek. And then he made a nice pass right down the middle to I, I forget who it was. It was either it was either Barrett or who was it? I can't remember who it was, but he made a nice pass right down the middle and he scored. He was doing anything he wanted in that game. Now. Here's the thing, but yet people still continue to disrespect this man. I said it last year. I said that this was a great signing by the New York Knicks. Or I'm sorry, not last year. Well, yeah, yeah, last year now um, because of the offseason. I said it was a great signing by the New York Knicks because what else could you ask for in a player? Someone who continually improves year after year, ups his averages, ups his play, works hard. Then you see the way that he performed in the playoffs. Like, why would you not sign him to a contract? And he's been playing great. But yet, like I said, people still continue to disrespect this dude. Why? Oh, I guess because he wasn't a high draft pick. Or because he wasn't a big name. So, how could he get love? To me, he's very underappreciated. His game is very underappreciated. It's much like a Rod Strickland. Rod Strickland's game was very underappreciated. And the thing is, these players get underappreciated by the media. People who don't understand the game, people who don't watch the game extensively, they only look at stats, they don't look about they don't look at how the way the the player leads the team, they don't look at how the the way the player reads screens, they don't look at the way uh how the player reads defensive assignments, they don't look at how they get into the person's body when they're attacking the rim and create good opportunities for players. They don't look at all those little things, right? They look at the stats. Well, the plus minus says the plus minus isn't always the greatest thing to look at. I mean, think about it. If you look at plus minuses all the time, you're going to think a lot of these players who are having so many pluses are probably the best players in the league. That's not always the case. It's not. You have to watch the games. The same thing with looking at stats, right? I remember watching a game where Jalen Brown had zero turn, uh, zero assists. And people were like, this dude had zero assists. He wasn't passing the ball. If you watch the game, he had like three or four great passes to Al Horford, Jason Tatum, and one to Marcus Smart, and they all blew the layup or the jump shot. So when you say, oh, well, he wasn't passing the ball, no, it could be some of his teammates weren't making the shots. He was making the right pass. They just weren't making the shots. Now, for me, from a basketball standpoint, I know what it's like to put in the hard work to try to get better. I'm doing it right now as a coach. I sit there and I watch games. I go to playoff games that my teams are not in to watch how other teams play, watch how other teams do things. I go to coaching clinics. I talk to some of the top coaches in the country. Like I, I That's what you do when you want to get better. And for me, watching Jalen Brunson, watching him, watching him grow year after year, in similar fashion to Jalen Brown, like 
it's it's something that I marvel at. And I hope to see Brunson back on the court very soon. Now, I'm going to go back to what I used to do to end the show and players who you should look up and watch. Um, now, with that being said, um, I used to do it and then I went away from it for um, for a little bit because I had some guests on the show and then I just stopped doing it for a little bit. But we're going to go back to it, okay? Now, the player that I think that you should look up and watch is Danny Manning, okay? A lot of people don't know how, who Danny Manning was. Danny Manning in college was... I went back and watched some of his college games, and this dude was one of the top-tier college players of all time. And he doesn't get talked about enough, right? Honestly, I think Danny Manning was a better better college basketball player than Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan is my guy, right? I know you guys are like, yo, like, what are you saying? Michael Jordan, like, you know, he was kind of hindered by uh, Dean Smith because of the way Dean Smith played. Yes, okay, he was hindered. So... I'm not going to go off of what he could have done. I'm going to go with what he did do. And going off of what he did do and what Danny Manning did do, Danny Manning was a better college basketball player than MJ. There were a lot of better college basketball players than MJ. And I think people confuse MJ's talent in the NBA as his college talent. Like Kareem is by far the greatest college basketball player ever. And people have MJ as the greatest. It's just not, it's just not true. Now, Going back to Danny Manning, if it wasn't just for his injuries, he could have been so tough. This dude's 15 to 20 footer. I, I said it to Rex Chapman because uh, Rex Chapman responded to a video that I put on um, uh, on my Twitter for Danny Manning. He was so automatic from the 15 to 20 footer. He could step out and shoot the three, but his 15 to 20 footer... When this dude missed, it was like a it was it was a soft miss. You even liked you even liked how it looked when he missed. But when he made it, the net barely moved. It was just like it just straight in. Um, and I will say to watch. I think if you watch the 1994-95 season with Phoenix, right, uh, versus the Bulls, he didn't have the best shooting game, but he showed why the Suns went out and got him. And I think my hot take. That's that. That's a game that you should watch. The 1994 season. I think it was in November. Um, but my hot take is that I think if he doesn't get injured, I think the Suns beat the Rockets in seven. They were already up three one, and they blew the lead. But I think they would have beat the Rockets in seven. Now, I they probably might have beat them in five or six. Now, I also would have had them winning. The NBA Finals. I would have had them winning against the Orlando Magic. Call me crazy, but I believe Dan. I believe it. Danny was coming off the bench and giving Horace Grant fits on the Orlando Magic. And in all honesty, he always gave Horace Grant fits. Um, I mean, honestly, I really think that the Suns and Danny Manning lost out big on a big opportunity because of injuries, you know. Um, and, but like I said, it's got to be the next man up. Do I think that they could have won with with uh, Danny Manning playing? 
I do think they would have won. I think they would have gotten a championship. And I think Charles Barkley would have looked been looked upon as much better than he is right now. He's already looked at as a great, but I think he would have been looked at as much better than he is right now. Um, injuries suck. Uh, I, I, that, that's, the, that's the best thing that I can say is I hate injuries. I think they suck. I think they're the worst thing ever. And you sometimes lose out on great opportunities for great players. If you don't believe me, you know, ask, uh, just look at what happened with Derrick Rose. I mean, look at what happened. That, that's a main name, but look at what happened with Brandon Roy. That dude was, he was a killer on that floor. And, you know, I just really wish him, uh, the likes of Grant Hill, Penny Hardaway, I wish they had never gotten these injuries because, you know, we would have, we, we missed out on seeing these all-time greats or these all-time players reach their potential peaks. Um, but this has been another edition of One in a Million. Uh, again, I am Roland Million. Uh, I want you to enjoy March Madness. For those who are going to be watching March Madness, don't get too invested in these games. Don't start screaming at the TV, much like I did, because my daughter had to let me know, Dada, um, you know, you angry, go take a deep breath. And she's only three. So don't get too angry. Just enjoy these games and, and love the opportunity to watch them. All right. Have a good one. Take care.